book of Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to read uh, just a couple of verses here, and uh, then we'll go right to uh, the Word of God, uh, or the rest of the Word of God, and what He wants to say to us here tonight. Amen. Aren't you glad to be in church on Sunday night? Doesn't feel like Sunday night with this time change, but it is. Uh, it's daylight. Hopefully, it'll still be daylight when I finish. Praise God. Hopefully, it won't be like that guy when Peter was preaching, or Paul, when he fell out of the window because he preached so long. Praise God. Verse uh, Chapter 16, verse 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. That's God talking. It's not my church, not your church. It's his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, the way I read this, folks, we're should, we should be on the offense, not on the defense. Praise God. The gates of hell shall not be able to stop it, is what this means. I want to talk to you, continue our conversation from last Sunday night, and that is the church God is daring us to build, part two. The church God is daring us to build. Amen. Let's ask God's blessing upon his word. Heavenly Father, we need you tonight. And God, I'm not just talking to or preaching to the people that are here tonight, but I'm talking to people that are online. I'm talking to people, the Lord, that will watch this later. I'm talking to people, Lord, that are looking for you, and I'm believing and trusting you by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ that you're working, moving, and blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. It is estimated, and this was some years ago, uh, there was an estimation that there's some 20 million people that have become disaffected with denominations. And uh, we've, we've seen that in the last 15 or 20 years or so. We've seen a, a great move from mainline denominations into the, a lot of these non-denominational churches. Uh, and it is, a, it is a, a, a trend, if you will. Uh, but the uh, people who does the type of study said that there's 20 million people that are looking for a church that will hold fast to the doctrine of the Bible. They said there's 20 million people that are looking for a church that says this is the inerrant word of God and every word is true. There are 20 million people that are looking for a restoration of apostolic ministry and uh, that things in the Bible are not explained away but they are embraced and they're accepted and they are practiced. There's 20 million people that are tired of going to church and not feeling anything. There's 20 million people that go to churches and just watch other people sing, but they want to experience God and not just listen to someone talk about God. There's 20 million people. And what I figured out was this. There's 20 million people that are looking for us. And we ought to be looking for them tonight. Praise God. And I believe this. I believe that is a tip of the iceberg. That's in America. But I think in this day and time, we can't just, just like a business, can't think about just America. God has called us to the whole world. God has not called us just to reach America, but God has called us to reach whosoever will. Amen. And I believe the revival that God wants to give is not just in America but it's all over the world. For God wants everybody to be saved. He, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Amen. Praise God. So it is imperative. 
uh, tonight that we focus on uh, a world bigger than ourselves. So often when we think about things relative to the church, we think in North American uh, uh, ways. And uh, when we talk about uh, things going on in our life, you know, our problems are not the world's problems. You know, your heat and air goes out. There's people that don't have any heat and air. Your water uh, bill goes up and we get all sideways and there's people that don't have even have fresh water. Uh, our toilet stops working and we get all upset and we should. That's a pretty serious problem. Uh, but there's people that literally don't have a toilet. Uh, they don't even have an outside, an outhouse. They don't have anything. Uh, we're all sitting around trying to figure out where we're going to eat. They're trying to figure out if they're going to eat. Uh, I'm telling you, America's problems are not the same as the world's problems. I don't think we need to feel guilty. I don't think we need to be shamed. I don't think uh, I, that, that, that doesn't do a lick of good, as the old country saying goes. Uh, but what I do think it should do is awaken us to how blessed we are. It should awaken us to how we can help others. Uh, probably I could eat a third of what I eat and give the other two-thirds to somebody somewhere. And uh, I do think we ought to start with our neighbor. I do think we ought to start with the person, uh, you know, it's easy to help somebody a million miles away, but we ought to help somebody a mile away. Uh, and it's easy to, you know, people have now it's a big thing to adopt children from uh, 10,000 miles away when you got people, you know, hundreds of kids in your own county that need to be adopted. So I think it's good to start with adoption here. I think it's good to start with helping people here and then move out from there. Uh, and that's Bible. The Bible says that we are to, to minister to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth. But we start with where we live first. How in the world can we help somebody else if we won't help our own. And so we start here and we move out from there. But at the same time, we are to have uh, a, uh, a, a mindset uh, of beyond just our four and no more. Look at what Mark uh, is recorded in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. He said to them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. God wants us tonight to go into all the world. God wants us tonight to be involved in foreign missions. God wants us tonight to be starting churches. Uh, God wants us tonight to be ministering to every language. God wants us tonight through the power of shared and, and through being united. Uh, we can help people. I'm, that's why I'm so thankful to be a part of the United Pentecostal Church uh, that we can be involved in uh, 170 and counting uh, uh, countries uh, because God said go to the whole world. And the church that God is daring us to build is a church that will go to the whole world. And you say, well, but I, I don't have much money. But, but I'm telling you, God can take a dollar and do more with a dollar, but you just got to start somewhere. Somebody said, when I get $100 a month, I'm going to start giving the missions. You won't ever start giving. Uh, I'm telling you, if you can't find a dollar, you won't find a hundred. But if you'll start with a dollar, put it in the envelope and say, I'm giving this. I can't give but a dollar a month. 
but I'm giving a dollar a month to foreign missions. I'm telling you, God will take that dollar and he'll multiply. Amen. God will take that dollar and there's no telling what God will do with it. Here's the thing. It is proven through the United Pentecostal Church foreign missions that, 20, that the average, they took the total amount of money spent, they divided by the total amount of people that have come to God uh, over the history of foreign missions, and they figured out some way, somehow, that uh, it takes $25. That's what it takes to save somebody on foreign soil. And so if you could get this in your mind tonight, that if you gave a dollar, by the time two years are up, you would see uh, uh, two years and one month, you would see somebody filled with the Holy Ghost because of your little dollar. Amen. Now, that's just with man's calculator. That's not taking God into consideration and God doing something more with it. Praise God. He said, well, how can I give? I I'd like to give more than a dollar. I know you would, but start with a dollar. Well, I feel silly giving a dollar. Well, don't you feel silly giving zero? You start with a dollar. And say, well, I, I don't think about it. Well, we got to think about it. We got we to gotta get it in our mind. I think our biggest problem, I didn't say your biggest problem, our biggest problem is we think about giving when we get to church. But giving should be a part of worship, and it should be a part of planning. It should be a part of so you know what? I got to lay aside my missions. I got to lay aside my tithing. I got to lay aside my offerings. Uh, tithing is what I owe to God, but my, my offering is where I, the blessing is. And then... The Lord has said he wants to build a church that uh, is a whosoever will church. And God wants us to go to the whole world. And I've got a mechanism whereby I can go to the whole world. So I want to give to foreign missions. Now, we, we do this song and dance uh, every year where we have a missions conference. And uh, or we have a special emphasis on million, uh, missions. Uh, Sister Anna gets up once a month and talks about missions. And so often, that just kind of just kind of goes right over our head. And it's not like we don't uh, appreciate what she's doing. It's not like we don't appreciate what she's saying. It's, it's not that we don't want people to be saved. It's just we don't think about it. But we need to start thinking about it. And not because Anna's up here, not because I'm saying it, because God said it. He said, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, here's something I've learned about God. If I'll help somebody I don't know, God will help me, amen, with somebody that doesn't know me. You ever been helped by somebody that didn't know you? Amen. I'm gonna t I guarantee you the reason you've been helped by somebody that didn't know you is because you helped somebody that you didn't know. You said, prove that to me. I'm glad that you gave me that uh, challenge. The Bible says you reap what you sow. Praise God. You know why I want to give to home missions? Because I have one of my five grandchildren that needs the Holy Ghost and her family needs the Holy Ghost. And I want there to be, when, when they move to the, they're getting ready to move to the D.C. suburbs, I want there to be a church in Owens, Maryland that is preaching one God, Jesus' name, tongue-talking. But the only way that's going to happen is I sow into that program. Praise God. Somebody said, well, I don't believe in giving to programs. Well, you figure out how to do it, and we'll give to your deal. All right? Well, I, I don't think foreign missions, they, they waste too much money. Well, probably, uh, and, and maybe. I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't ever look at their books, so I don't know. I, you, you can suspect that, but I don't know that. But you get a better program, and we'll do it your way. 
But right now, that's the best we have. And so we give to it and say, God, listen, God, it's between just like when you give money. Somebody gave me, gave me a check before church. And they said, you do with it whatever you want to. And uh, I'll tell you what I did. I wrote Apostolic Church on it, and I put it in the offering plate. Uh, because uh, I don't want, I, I want that in the hands of God. Because I know God can do more than I could ever do with it. Amen. I, it, it'll flow through my hands like water. But I want God to be involved in every part of my life. Amen. I want God involved in everything going on in my life. I want God involved when, when I'm a stranger somewhere. Amen. When I find myself in a strange place, maybe not in a foreign country, but in a foreign part of town, I want God to say, hey, he helped the stranger. He helped the people on the other side of the world. I'm going to help him tonight. Praise God. Praise God. That's the kind of church God is aiming to build. And so we need to be a missions-given church. I think another reason that we should be a missions-given church uh, is because, the, and this is Bible, that your good works encourages somebody else. I had people tell me, said, well, uh, do, do you think drinking is wrong? I said, well, when I read the, the eight things, or seven things, rather, six things God uh, hates, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, uh, beer's not in there. Wine's not in there. And he even talked about wine being, a uh, little wine being good for the stomach's sake. Now, I found people, well, they'll wear that uh, scripture out. Uh, what they won't talk about is the 17 scriptures that says, don't let it touch your lips. What they won't quote is that scripture that says, uh, wine's a mockery to you. Uh, and it, it, then looking at the people in the Bible that got in trouble. Uh, because they drank. Noah was a good man, and Noah did great things. But Noah's biggest problem in his life, the, 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 spot, the spot on his entire character all through the Scripture is because he got inebriated. And here's the other reason, and I'm, I'm making a point here tonight. The reason that I don't drink and I advocate that we don't drink is because we're trying to save alcoholics. Now, what in the world are you doing eating drinking wine with your steak and you're sitting across from somebody that's coming out of a life of alcoholism, you need, and I'm not, I'm not saying you because I know better, uh, but you as a Christian, the Bible says if your liberty is a hang-up to somebody else, you need to not do it. And if I'm trying to help somebody that is an alcoholic and has a trouble with wine, I don't need to be drinking wine. Amen. And I don't need it. I don't need it that bad. I don't need it if there's not any alcoholics. Amen. But I don't need it. And the people that I'm trying to win to God, they don't need me to be a stumbling block. They need me to be a help to them. They need me to be a strength to them. And they need you and I both to be a help and a strength to them. Praise God. Praise God. And so what we want to do is we want to be an encouragement to people. And uh, Sister Anna, she's a young lady. Can you imagine? Just hold here just a moment and think with me. She's a young lady. And uh, if it was your grandchild, if it was your child that was up here, and every Sunday she gets up. Now, I can say this tonight because I haven't looked at the missions. I don't know what we gave before she started. I don't know what we give now. So I don't have a dog in the hunt. I'm just, I'm preaching, all right? And so, uh, but here's what I know that if Brother Mark were to come to her and say, man, Sister Anna, 
our mission since you took over has grown by 30%. Wouldn't you think that would encourage her? She'll never forget that. She may move to the other side of the world, but she'll say, you know what? Those Sundays I prepared, those Sundays, she's always ready. She'll remind me, hey, I'm, I'm ready today. I don't ever have to remind her. She's always ready. But the Bible says we are to spur people to good works. And when we give to missions, you know what we're saying to a young lady that has a heart for missions? We're saying, you know what? Amen. This matters to them. It matters to me, but it matters to them. But here's the kicker. Most of all, it matters to God. Praise God. Amen. So here's what you do. You start with a dollar. You say, I don't have a dollar. Start with a penny. I would love to see somebody put a penny in an envelope and write missions on it. Just for kicks. Not that that penny doesn't mean something. Not that that penny is not important. I believe, and i got Bible for this, that penny could matter as much as a million-dollar check. I'm going to tell you what. It is, it is God's will that this church give a million dollars a year to missions. It's the will of God this church be a $5 million a year giver to missions. It is the will of God that we send missionaries. Amen. And, and they call us and say, hey, we need another missionary. And we send them there because people are given to missions. I believe it can happen. God's daring us tonight. God said, I need somebody, amen, that will give. Say, well, I don't know how we do that. I tell you, the Bible says be faithful in a few things and he'll make you ruler over many. Amen. Start giving a penny and then you can give a quarter. And then give a quarter and you can give a dollar. Then give a dollar and you can give $10. And give $10 and then you can give 100 And lo and behold, God can multiply. And there's no telling what he can do. Praise God. God wants a, a church that loves truth. Did you know it matters what you believe? I said, do you know it matters what you believe? I said, do you know it matters what you believe? Amen. It matters what is preached from this pulpit. Amen. Listen, somebody said, well, going to heaven is like going to Dallas. We ain't trying to go to Dallas. Amen. We, somebody said, going to heaven is like trying to go to Cincinnati. We're not trying to go to Cincinnati. We're trying to go to heaven. Last time I checked all through the scripture, God didn't have a plethora. That's a multiple uh, or a bunch of ways. God didn't have a plethora of ways to get to heaven. Amen. And it didn't belong to the UPC. And it didn't belong to apostolic. It didn't belong to the assemblies of God. It didn't belong to the Methodists or the Baptists. It's God's plan. Noah didn't have an armada. There was one boat. You got on God's boat. That wasn't Noah's ark. That was God's ark. Amen. And I'm telling you tonight, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. Paul said there's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism. Praise God. You don't believe me? Spend some time, some time reading the book of Ephesians and Galatians. Paul said, what? You've been so removed from the gospel of Christ unto another gospel? And then he says, which is not another, but there be some that would come, come and pervert the gospel of Christ. That word pervert means to tinker with, to change a little bit. Oh, let's don't say Jesus' name. Let's say in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. That's tinkering. Amen. I, whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. Neither did we 
uh, eat any man's bread for naught. Let's see, make sure I'm in the right place here. But wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have, uh, we have not power to make ourselves example to you follow us. For when we were with you, this command you that if you should not work, uh, you should not eat. And I don't think this is the right scripture. Amen. Maybe it's First Thessalonians. Let me try that. Uh, 2, 8, and 12. Uh, and if that's not it, we'll move on. Uh, I usually double check my scriptures, but tonight uh, it, that, that does not look right. Uh, so, but, but I'm going to talk a little bit about it anyhow, all right? And find that for me in second, it's in Second Thessalonians somewhere about loving the truth. It's about the end time. It's about uh, it, the whole context is, is end time and God's coming. And uh, it's about the Antichrist and then talking about truth. And what he's saying is there's, going, there's coming a time uh, when they're going to rain fire down from heaven. Listen, uh, I love miracles, but I don't follow miracles. Miracles follow me. The Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe. He didn't say believers follow signs. He said signs follow believers. But listen, Paul writing to the church of Thessalonica said this. He said there's going to come a time, there's going to come people. And man, they're going to be smooth and they're going to be slick. And they're going to do mighty things. And there's going to be people that are an inch wide and an inch deep spiritually. They don't pray, they don't fast, they don't get in the Word. And they're going to get all enamored over something like that. And they're going to lose out with God because they're following a sign. But you and I have to hold to the truth. Praise God. Where is it? 2 and 10. All right. Well, I was getting there, wasn't I? I started in 8. I just quit too soon. Amen. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 10. Uh, that's not it. Unless I'm uh, well, I'm either going crazy or... Well, read it. Read it for us. That's exactly what I'm looking for. And I'm looking at 2 Th Thessalonians. That, that's why it helps if you're not in 3, if you're in 2. That helps a lot. Amen. Let me read it to you. Thank you, brother. And everybody else was looking it up. And they shall that uh, the wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume. It was probably up on the screen the whole time. Uh, with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. I'm telling you, we got a God big enough to handle what's going to happen. I said we got a God that's big enough to handle what's going to happen. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Listen, you got to have a love for the truth to be saved. Y'all not too excited about that. But I'm going to tell you, you got to have a love for, you know, used to, and I like tonight, we, we sang about the blood. We need to sing about the blood more. Churches have quit singing about the blood. I, I like it that we sing about the name. Why? Because the blood, amen, and the name is imperative. Repentance is imperative. Water baptism in Jesus' name is imperative. The Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues is imperative. Godliness, holiness, righteousness is imperative. When I was running for lieutenant governor, I had a pastor. This wasn't a Baptist pastor. This wasn't a Methodist pastor. This wasn't a Presbyterian pastor. This was an apostolic. He said, well, what you going to do when you go on TV and they ask you about uh, how the women at the church dress and about speaking in tongues? 
said, what do you mean what am I going to say? I'm going to tell him. He said, well, is that not going to be a little awkward? I said, not in the least. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he didn't just stop with, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, this thing wasn't done in a corner. Amen. We're not some uh, cult over in a corner somewhere. This is how it all started. And it's been watered down. And we're trying to renew what God started. So why do I have to apologize because I speak in tongues? Paul, the man that wrote half of the New Testament, said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Amen. I thank God that I, I attend a tongue-talking church. I thank God I attend a church where you can tell people walk different, they talk different, they act different, they look different. Amen. I'm telling you, it matters what you believe. You know why it matters what you believe? Because the devil's never satisfied. I, I, I'm on this right here. I'm going to stay on this a minute. And I'm going to tell you why. The devil, you think, well, if we put up with this, then uh, everything will be all right. That ain't how the devil works. I know that's not proper English, but it's still the truth anyhow. Listen, the devil, if he can get his foot in the door... He'll get his head in the door and get his shoulder in the door and he'll take over your house. You got to slam the door and say, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm going to be nice. And I'm going to be sweet to everybody. Amen. I'm not going to ever treat you. You'll never see me treat a sinner. You'll never uh, see me treat somebody that doesn't believe like me uh, with anything less than great respect and honor and dignity. But I'm going to stand for godliness. I'm going to stand for truth. Uh, I'm going to stand for Holy Ghost. Uh, I'm going to stand for Jesus' name, baptism. I'll tell you something else you'll never hear from this pulpit. You won't ever hear me mocking another pastor that doesn't believe what we believe. You won't hear me get up here and make fun of people that don't believe like we believe. You know why? Because I could be right where they are. Amen. I'm not here because uh, I'm something special. I'm here tonight by the grace of God. There's seven billion people on the face of the earth. And somehow, someway, I got the truth. Who am I to mock anybody? I love what uh, our bishop, Brother David Bernard, said. He said, listen, the easiest thing in the world he said, is not believe anything. We got an old saying that says, they don't believe fat meat's greasy. That means you, you, you don't believe anything's wrong. The, and Brother Bernard always said this. He said, the easy thing is extremes. To say everything's wrong and to say nothing's wrong. If you, look, if you say boo, it's wrong. If you wear a certain color, it's wrong. Uh, he said, the hardest thing in the world is find somewhere in between the two. And if you look in the book of Revelation, there were two groups of people that God said he couldn't stand. And he said there was two groups of people that he had a problem with, and he named them. One of them was the Nicolaitans. And he said he had a problem with them. And the problem he had with these two groups of people is one didn't believe anything was wrong, and one believed everything was wrong. And he said, I have a problem with both of them because it don't take a brain to say everything's wrong. And it didn't take a brain to say nothing's wrong. It actually takes some thinking and some prayer and some prevailing to find God's will and what God wants uh, somewhere in between. But God needs a church that preaches truth. I'm going to tell you why. We're, we're in, are we in 2021? 
Good Lord, I want to make sure. I was in third, I was in the third chapter of 2 Thessalonians, supposed to be in the second chapter. I'll make sure I'm in the right year. All right, good, good. All right, here, here, here's the thing. We're in a year. You never dreamed this would happen. That they're building bathrooms, uh, are, are forcing grown men in, little, in bathrooms with women. I don't say this much, but that's retarded. You got some big old, Lord help me. You got somebody, big old hairy man, playing basketball with a bunch of little bitty girls in the name of political correctness. That's nuts. You don't think the devil will push us? I'm telling you, if we water down baptism and we say, well, we're going to baptize in Jesus' name, well, we're going to kind of mumble it because it may offend somebody. Now, we don't want to purposely, we will never purposely offend anybody. We won't ever, I, I, listen, I don't think that's even the right spirit. I, I don't care if you're homosexual. I don't care if you're an adulterer. I don't care if you're a fornicator. We, we, we need to stand for righteousness, but yet treat people with love and kindness and goodness. And, and sometimes we can, in preaching, at least me, uh, I, I can get on the edge of that. And I don't want to do that in the name of standing for truth. But we've got to stand for truth. We've got to stand for godliness. We've got to stand for holiness. Amen. It matters what you believe. It matters. Listen, the devil will have you. Have you ever wondered how people got to where people got saved and didn't get the Holy Ghost or didn't speak in tongues? You wonder how that ever happened? I can tell you because my wife and I and our, our children, we, we've been there. Some of you have been there. I, we've been in a place where she was the only Sunday school teacher and the only kids we had in the Sunday school was our three boys. I've been in a church where there was just three people sitting on the pew. And man, I was desperate. Somebody come in. I had a guy say, man, I, 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 I'll bankroll this place. Man, I was desperate uh, for, for God to move. And I can guarantee you that's exactly how it happened. Somebody's preaching and somebody comes in. They said, boy, they got money and they'll, they could help us out. And you get desperate and you say, uh, I think I got saved today. And they said, well, uh, may, maybe you did. And, and, and they just kind of looked the other way. But listen, we can't look the other way. Amen. We got to insist on repentance. We got to insist on water baptism in Jesus' name. We got to insist on the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. But see, again, here's the thing. You got to find that balance. You got you to be so dogmatic about truth. But here's Jesus in a nutshell. The worst sinner in the world walking that door. And then feel overwhelming love. So I'm going to tell you, here's the easy thing. is bless God, we believe this, we believe that. Somebody walk in, boy, we're giving them the stink eye. You know, we're looking at them. Uh, man, you don't size up, you don't look right, you're not wearing the right clothes. Uh, we're not sure what you all about. Listen, this is not my church, it's his church. Amen. I'm to be kind to the stranger. 
I'm going to be kind to the seeker because one day I was seeking. One day I was looking. Man, if they'd have given me the stink eye, I wouldn't have stayed around. Man, if they would have treated me like that, I wouldn't have stayed around. Listen, everybody can stand for truth and be nasty and be ugly. But I'm telling you, we got to, in our spirit, we got to be dogmatic. But at the same time, we got to be the loving, caringest, wonderful people on the face of the earth. Praise God. Here's what they ought to say about us when we leave. I'm going to tell you, those people got some of the strangest ideas. That They talk in tongues. They won't baptize any other way but in Jesus' name. But man, that's the lovingest folks on the face of the earth. That's what they need to be saying about us. They don't need to be saying, boy, they're hard-nosed. Man, they're, they're stern. Boy, they'll, they'll tell you off in a minute. Listen, there's no virtue in that whatsoever. We need, the Bible says we are to be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. We need to be somebody that stands for godliness and righteousness. And when somebody's pulled out of the very bed of adultery and put in front of us, and everybody wants to throw a rock, we ought to be the ones that say, oh man, if anybody throw a rock, them apostolics will. Boy, they're hard nose on that sin. Boy, I bet they'll throw a rock. And we ought to be the ones that says, you know what? Anybody here that hadn't sinned, go ahead and throw a rock. But we don't have any rocks to throw. Don't do that anymore. And not for our sake, but for your sake. God wants a church that will stand for righteousness. God wants a church that loves truth. I could be wrong, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I think, I think we have a crisis. I don't mean us as a church. I think we're included. I think we have a crisis in in apostolic world in general with a love for the truth. And the reason is, is we have been pulverized. and We have been intimidated. And we have been questioned. And we want, it is human nature to get along with everybody. It's human nature not to stick out like a sore thumb. It's human nature to want to blend in. It's human nature to walk in the lunchroom and not everybody look at you like you just stepped off of a spaceship. That's human nature. But somehow some, we've got to remind ourselves this world is not our home. We're passing through. Amen. We don't, the reason we don't dress and look and talk and act like everybody else, we're not from here. Amen. We, amen. We're, we got another home. Amen. We got another place. We got another place we're going. Amen. We're not trying to please people down here. We're trying to please the God of all creation. Amen. We're going somewhere. We're pilgrims and we're strangers. We're sojourners for another land. Praise God. That leads me to my next to final. Uh, thought that is we've got to be a holy church and that word holy is tricky here's why it's w-h-o-l-l-y it's everything so a little bit of what i was talking about earlier listen you can dress up women you can dress up and men have you dressed to the floor and your hair to the ceiling and then walk in walmart and treat everybody in there like a second class citizen you all dressed up and you don't have anywhere to go. You are a whited sepulcher. You're what Jesus said was wrong with religion. He said you look good on the outside, but inside you're dead as a hammer. What needs to happen is we need to have 
a godliness on the outside. You say, what is so important? The Lord gave me a revelation of the day when I was talking to somebody about holiness. And when I say holiness, holiness is not standards. It's separate. Holiness is all of it. Holiness is your whole life. Holiness is your attitude. Holiness is my ability to forgive. Holiness is everything, every aspect of God. Jesus said, or God said, be ye holy even as I am holy. But here's what we've done. We said, well, she got undressed. He's done this. He's done that. They've done this. Oh, they're holy. No, they're keeping a standard. You see, what a standard does, a standard protects your holiness. Let me explain. A fence around your property is not your property. It is something that protects your property. It's something, a line of demarcation where your property ends and begins, but it is not necessarily, in essence, your property. It is, uh, it is ingrained with your uh, land. It is a part of your land, but it is not. You can't build a house on a fence. But you need a fence or at least a line to build a house. And standards is a line. And it is something that we place in the church. You see, what I love about the church is we have a standard for Sunday school. We have a standard for working in the cafe. We have a standard for being up here. We have a standard for standing in this pulpit. We have a standard for... Uh, uh, being a board member. But here's the thing. Every church has a standard. The most liberal church you can think of has a standard. The, some of the, and I won't name denominations because I just said earlier I don't want to be, uh, but there's denominations that have left the gospel. And man, they're preaching, I mean, just about anything goes. But they still have a standard. Their priest will get up and he'll wear a robe because it's required. The people that get up and lead singing, they can't get up there in a, in a, I don't want to say it, but they, they don't want to get up in a real skimpy bathing suit and lead. You say, well, I ain't much of a standard, but it's a standard. Here's another thing to realize and understand tonight is that stand, every church that I'm aware of, every major denomination, and a lot of lower tier, and when I mean lower tier, smaller denominations, every single one at some time in the last 50 years had the same standard that we do. But here's where I think we have missed it. I don't think we messed up. I think here's where we missed it. We confuse standards with holiness. And we've got people that treat people ugly and look at them like they're not as good as them, or at least put off that persona, or we have been so hard when people come in, and people say, well, honey, do you not have this or that? Listen, if you owned a restaurant, and somebody walked in, and all they had on was a pair of whatever, and it wasn't what everybody else was wearing, you trying to sell chicken fried steak. 
You're not going to try to get them all dressed up before they can eat a chicken fried steak. Now, if they want to wait on tables, that's a different story. And if they want to cook in the kitchen, that's a different story. And if they want to buy your restaurant, that's a different story. But for just to come in and eat, you don't require. All the sign says is you need shoes and you need a shirt. And probably ought to have some pants on too. Just a thought. And we are a table. For people to come in and eat. And they need to come in and say, man, I didn't look like those people. I didn't act like those people. But I love what I felt. I love what I heard. I love what God did in my life. You know, you always have, we don't have any of them here, not not anymore. We've had them in the past. But we don't have any more. But we used to have some holiness sheriffs. You know, you got some of those sheriffs, and they'll straighten everybody out. And uh, so if somebody's doing something, uh, they're going to say, well, I think uh, we ought to do this. You know, they need to do this, and they need to do that. And here's how I've always felt about it. Listen, if I make you, and when I say make you, I know I can't make you do anything. But I know if I force you or if I intimidate you or if I uh, say this or say that, trying to get you to do something, uh, I got to keep on putting you in fear to do it. I got to keep on intimidating you to do it. Amen. I want you to fall in love with Jesus. I want you to get a revelation of why you need to do it. I want you to see it in the Bible. And if I can't show it to you in, in uh, plain scripture, I guarantee you there's a principle in there. There's either a principle. In fact, Paul said this. He said to follow both the traditions and the doctrines that you've been taught. And so... Look at Ephesians 25 through 27. And I hope I'll go to the right one this time. I hadn't done that in a while. I used to do it all the time. And I double-check myself now. And uh, that's why I was going crazy. I kept looking at it. I, 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 was, I was in the wrong chapter. Anyway, I'm over it. Uh, 25 and 27, chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having a spot, a wrinkle, or any such, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now I want you to see something tonight. You know what wrinkle is? A wrinkle means to be shriveled up. A wrinkle means that age has had its effect. God said, I'm coming for a church and I don't want the age of how long you've been living for me to have affected you. I don't want how long you've been living for God to affect your church attendance. I don't want your age to have affected your worship. I don't want your age to have affected your giving. I don't want your age to have affected. Listen, somebody said, well, you know, I'd give to missions, but I don't think about it. Well, you think about your electric bill. Write that down. I'm going to tell you, you'll think about it. Now, I, I, I get it because a lot of times I forget about stuff. But what, what you pray is, God, let missions matter so much to me that I write it down. Let missions rem- uh, men mean so much to me that I'm, I put a ring uh, or a string on my finger. And I may not remember what the string's for, but it'll at least bug me. And it, it remind me, but I want something. Because, God, I don't want how long I've been living for you. I don't want to become wrinkled up as a Christian where I shrivel up and I don't do the things that I used to do. Praise God. Spot. Uh, let, me, let me go to blemish. Blemish means to spoil your reputation. 
I'm telling you, we can spoil our reputation in the community if we're not careful. We can spoil it by being self-righteous. We can spoil it by being judgmental. We Listen, you can stand for truth and be loving. James said it. James said, speak the truth in love so it can be done. You can speak. Somebody said, well, you, you got you, you to hurt their feelings. No, you don't. Listen, you'll never win anybody to God till you win them to you. Jesus didn't try to uh, get Nicodemus, or, or rather Zacchaeus, up in the tree and get him all straightened out. Uh, while he was still up in the tree, he said, we got some work to do, Zacchaeus. Let's go to your house. And it took some time. Brother Brian and I were talking about it today. That soul work is slow work. And it's God that's doing the work. It's God that's doing the change. But I'm telling you tonight, God wants to build a church. God wants to build a church. Somebody said, well, I don't know if you can have a church that's overcoming and powerful and mighty and, and full uh, with, with this kind of preaching. I, I bet you can. There's people, there's 20 million at least that are looking for holiness. There's 20 million that are looking for doctrine. There's 20 million that are looking for godliness. There's 20 million that are looking for deliverance. Then spot. God's a spot is not meeting God's will and purpose. And it, it, a spot is when we pursue our desires instead of God's desires.